turn in your Bible, please, to Acts chapters 6 and 7. Acts chapters 6 and 7. Very briefly this morning, I want to lay on your heart the man Stephen, who is called the man with the face of an angel. The man with the face of an angel. In Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 15. And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. And in chapter 7, beginning with verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. They gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being filled with the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Have you ever seen an angel? Now the word angel in the Bible is from the word angelos, which means messenger. Some of those messengers are human beings. Some of them were theophanies, or the appearance of the second person of the Trinity before the Incarnation, the angel of the Lord. Some of them were special angels like Gabriel or Michael. And then there were myriads of other angels, perhaps guardian angels. We do not know very much about them, but the Bible seems to teach that there are guardian angels. I like the picture that shows two little children about to go over a cliff, and the angel is standing behind them, keeping guard. I believe God sends his angels some of you have seen angels. I cannot always tell this story without tears, but a number of years ago on Labor Day weekend, there was a man that came to our balcony with a gun. I didn't see him. I didn't even hear him at first. All of a sudden, the choir began to go out. I heard the choir leave. And then I saw people in the front pews get up and go out. Some of them got under the pews. There were two or three of the deacons that were here on the platform with me and others were kneeling around. And then I heard a voice, I'm just gonna shoot once. Don't move. And do you know, I saw God's angel. Never did see the person. Never did see the gun. Just a bright light. 
And God gave me great peace. There was not one iota of fear. And I just said, you're not going to shoot anybody. I'm going to pray for you. And I prayed. And Lonnie Cook went back. Mickey had already gone to the balcony and was standing there. And the man sort of felt his presence and said, I'll get you too. And Lonnie negotiated. And after a little while, in answer to prayer, the man handed his gun down. But I want to tell you, the reason I told you the story, I never did see him. I just saw an angel. He didn't have wings. Just a bright, effervescent glow and a wonderful, quiet peace. And something inside that said, I'm here to protect you. Now when Stephen was being stoned, just before he was stoned, he stood and gave one of the greatest sermons in the entire Bible. He told the story of the Old Testament history from the time of Abraham, through Moses, through David, through the prophets, through Joseph. And he told how they had rejected them all. And then he said, Finally, you rejected the just one, the holy one, the Lord Jesus. And while he was talking, they looked at him. They said, he has the face of an angel. I don't know what they meant. I don't think Stephen wrote that. Luke picked it up from somewhere. Maybe God's Holy Spirit told him to write it. And he just said, as they looked at him, they looked like he looked like a, the face of an angel. Now an angel is effervescent, beautiful, bright, light, one who protects, one who's there to guard and to guide. And that's what Stephen was doing. He was there to announce the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't know much about Stephen's early life. Have you ever conjured in your mind to think about where'd Stephen come from? In Jesus' earthly ministry, you know, he sent out 70 at one time. We know about the, the 12. We know about the 120 in the upper room. We never read about Stephen until we come to Acts chapter 6. He may have been one of those already. Whatever the situation, Stephen knew the Word of God. He knew it. He didn't have time to have notes and say, well, this note says this. I've looked all this up in Bible history, and here's what this says, and here's what this says. He just came out with it. He knew it. He knew it. Filled with God's Word. And his point was to present to them Jesus. And when he got to that point, they picked up stones and began to stone him. And he looked up, and he said, I see the face of Jesus. He's standing at the right hand of the Father. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And he fell asleep. I just want to give you these things about Stephen. Very much about him we don't know. Maybe as a little child he heard about Jesus. He might have been that little lad that had the fish. And Jesus took that fish and loaves of bread and broke it and fed the 5,000. We don't know. We don't even know how old he was. He may have been a young man. We do know that he was a man full of the Holy Spirit. 
full of wisdom. He, was, had, a, he w had an honest report. And he was a man available to be appointed over these things. Because when he comes on the scene, the church had have, was having a little problem with murmuring, the Grecians against the Hebrews. And the apostles said, now you choose out seven men full of, full of the Holy Ghost, full of, who have honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom, that, that are available to be appointed over this business, who will give their time to this, so that we can give our time to the Word of God in prayer. And they chose Stephen first, a man full of the Holy Spirit. And immediately, you read about Stephen beginning to witness. And the result of this was many were obedient to the faith. Many priests got saved. And the Word of God multiplied. And there was a great revival going on. Well, I've selected these seven things to say about Stephen. Number one, he was a man of faith. What does it mean to be a man of faith? Well, our faith is not blind. Our faith is anchored in the Word of God. At the recent Southern Baptist Convention, there was a long discussion over whether uh, our faith, uh, uh, whether the, uh, which is more important, to measure everything we do by our understanding of Jesus or by the Word of God. Now listen carefully. Offhand, without any thinking at all, people would say, well, we need to measure it, but what would Jesus do? But the question is, how do we know what Jesus would do without the Bible? We don't know anything about Jesus except the Word of God. And so Baptists have chosen to believe that the Word of God is inerrant. And when it presents John 3.16, it means what it says. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Stephen planted his spiritual feet on that gospel and was a man of faith. I was asked yesterday, how can you really know if you're saved? Well, I said, let's look at the Word of God. What does God say? Yeah, but, but beyond that, how can you know? I said, I don't know how you can know. I know there's a witness of the Spirit inside. There's a witness when I talk to a believer, a witness with my spirit that he's a child of God, and I'm a child of God. But it all goes back to what the Word of God says, because the Word of God says that would happen. The Spirit of God witnesses with our spirit. And so in the final analysis, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness as revealed in the Word of God. And so Stephen amplified and magnified the Word of God in this message. You just think, what well, he didn't get up and say, well, I'll tell you, I philosophically, philosophically thought the whole thing through and I believe that Jesus is enough. No, no. He went back to the Bible. He said, do you remember Abraham? Do you remember Moses? Do you remember David? Do you remember Joseph? Do you remember the prophets? They all testified about Jesus. He was talking about the Word of God. So he was a man of faith. And ladies and gentlemen, we need to be men of faith today, women of faith, boys and girls of faith, so that when people come hurling their doubts and philosophical questions at us, we can go back to the Bible. The Bible says, I believe one reason God has blessed Billy Graham is all through the years, he says, the Bible says, the Bible says. Now, I may not agree with his entertainment for the first hour of his crusades. And I may not agree with some of the other philosophy that he goes through, but I believe the Word of God like he does. And I appreciate the fact that for, for these nearly 50 years, 
He has heralded the message of Christ. Amen. Stephen was a man of faith. Are we a man of, man of faith? <clears throat> How do you know what you believe? Do you know what you believe because the Baptists say it? <coughs> it's the reason you don't do certain things because your church doesn't believe in doing those things. I guess that's a fair good reason if you know anything else. But why not anchor your, your faith in the Word of God? <coughs> what does God say about it? Do what God says regardless. And you'll never be ashamed. You'll never be disappointed. Stephen was a man of faith. I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. And that haven of rest is testified to by the word of God. Secondly, he was a man full of the Holy Spirit. How do you know? Because God said it. When they got, got ready to choose these seven men, they chose men who are of honest report and full of the Holy Spirit. Now what is the evidence of being full of the Holy Spirit? You think of that a minute. <coughs> is it just because he's ethereal? Is it just because he has a, a good outlook on life? Is it just because he smiles all the time? Is it just because he goes to church all the time? Is it just because he's here every time the door opens? What is the real evidence of the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Well, you take the Bible and you read, especially in the New Testament, whenever you come to the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you find somebody that's concerned about souls. Has a, has a care about lost people. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and great boldness came upon them so they could speak the word of God with boldness. And Stephen was a man who cared about souls and he demonstrated that in the very last part of the sixth chapter and all through chapter seven, that he cared about the souls of people. Philip was another man that did that and went down to Samaria. And many of those Samaritans got saved. He was a man full of the Holy Spirit. Are you full of the Holy Spirit today? Now listen, we have leaky vessels. It is not enough to say, well, I got full of the Holy Spirit the day I got saved. I've known people say that. <clears throat> you know, y'all pray for my throat. I'm having a little problem this morning. I've heard people say, well, when I got saved, I got the Holy Spirit, and I've never made another trip to the altar. I don't need to. Shame on you. You don't understand. You got a leaky vessel. You can get filled with the Holy Spirit today, and because the world is too much with us, and television too much with us, and money too much with us, and jobs too much with us, and kids too much with us, and we're never alone, and we're never alone with God, and we get all dirty with the world, and we need to come back and say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Breathe on me, Holy Spirit. Fill me with thyself. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, there'll be a tug at our heart to go soul winning. You know what has built some of the great soul winning churches in America? The fullness of the Holy Spirit. You can sense it. Why do they re lead thousands of people to Christ? They're full of the Holy Spirit. They're just normal people like you and me. But they've come back again and again and again and again and said, fill me, Lord. Here's my cup. Fill it up. I lift it up. I need the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And then this man, Stephen, was not only full of the Holy Spirit, he was full of wisdom. Where do you get wisdom? From the Word of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
Wisdom is how to deal with knowledge. A lot of people have Bible facts and never do anything about it. <laughs> I've been in revival meetings where, where they tell me the, the, they have people that come have Bible meetings all over town. And they have a Bible meeting here and a Bible meeting here. And every, every week they have two or three Bible studies and so on. And I said, well, what do they do to win people to Christ? Oh, they don't do that. They, they don't do that at all. No. Listen, wisdom takes the knowledge of the Word of God and applies it where it's needed. And the great need of our world today is for people to come to Jesus Christ. And that's behind missions. That's the reason Brother Limster's gone to Latvia and goes to other places. That's the reason the Lana Takoys have gone to Japan. That's the reason for our Mexican mission team. That's the reason for the bus ministry. That's the reason for our soul winning teams on Thursday night. That's the reason we have Sunday school. Sunday school, listen. Sunday school is a, and I wish you'd listen to this and believe it. Sunday school is a task force reaching out. It's not the idea of just teaching the people that show up on Sunday. That's too much what we do. But Sunday school is having group captains call people, keep them in touch, and try to reach prospects and bring them in and bring them in and bring them in and win them to Christ and then send them out to bring others in. That's what Sunday school is all about. Training union is a training force where we get those who are saved and try to train them in the Bible truths and the Word of God and how we do things. This man was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of wisdom. He was full of power. Power. And the scripture says there was great power upon Stephen. He had the authority of God upon him. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. He was not only full of power, he was full of light. When they looked on him, they saw his face was like the face of an angel. I think they just saw light over him. You remember when Moses came down from the mountain? He was so full of God and had been in touch with God that his face glowed and he had to put a veil over his face so that people would not be afraid to look at him. I think Stephen was like that. He was filled with a vision. He looked beyond what he could see with his eyes and he saw with his heart and his spirit. Have you done that? Let me ask you. Before you come to the end of life, is it possible that God could give you a vision of what's coming next? Mrs. Claycomb, dear Miss Claycomb, whose favorite song was, I'm going to a city where the roses never fade. She said, I had cancer surgery. And when I was coming out from the, under, the anesthetic, I had a vision of heaven. I saw, she said, I saw Jesus. Now, I never did do that. I never did deny her. I believe she had it. Stephen said, I looked beyond this present scene and I saw Jesus. And he was standing at the right hand of the Father. He was a man of vision. Now, we may not always have that type of vision, but do we have a revelation from God that says there are people in Africa that need Christ? There are people south of the border that need Christ. There are people in the South Sea Islands that need Christ. There are people at Wellington Park that need Christ. There are people at the Retirement Center that need Christ. There are people at Morningside that need Christ. There are people out on the bus routes that need Christ. Let's go. Let's bring them in. That's the way Stephen was, a man full of vision. Full of vision.
And then he was filled with love. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Don't charge them with this, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. That's what Jesus said at the cross. And last of all, Stephen had the honor of being the first Christian martyr, the very first to die for the faith. He was a witness, and he died for the faith. If, if the Holy Spirit would tell you today, friend, you're going to die for the faith of Christ, what would you do? I'm not at liberty to name the man or the country, but there's a man who used to be a bus pastor in our church who in just a few weeks is going to a country where it's against the law to be a Christian or to be a witness. He goes at his own peril. He could be killed. But he said, God put on my heart to go. And he's going. If the Holy Spirit would reveal to you today, before life is over, you're going to be a martyr. You're going to die for your faith. Would you run? Would you hide? Would you say, not me, Lord? Somebody else, try Joe, try Mary, somebody else, not me. Or would you say, Lord, here am I. I would gladly spend and be spent for thee. That's what those first deacons did. And that's what hundreds and hundreds of Christians through the years have done. If you're here without Jesus today, count the cost. God doesn't want you to enroll for some easy, sloppy job where you don't have to do anything. He said, I want you to enroll in the kingdom of God. And there's no end to what I will demand of you. The demands of discipleship. Have you counted the cost? Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for Stephen, the man full of faith and the witness for the Lord. We pray that from this place today, you'll call someone to serve you and love you to be your special servant. Someone who is not saved, come to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please.